Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And they're the cannons, cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me. My good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. Joining us this week as well, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Sean King. Boys, we are headed into week 14 of the NFL season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers sit with a 6-6 six and six record. So essentially a clean slate as we head into the final quarter of the season here. Sean, how are you doing today, my friend? Well, first of all, we got to acknowledge the greatness in the room, and that is the fact that uh, Tulane, Greenway Football School, if you didn't know it, now you know it. I know it's a Bucks podcast, but I got to give a shout-out to my alma mater. Headed to the Cotton Bowl to kick some uh, Mishon Johnson, Southern Cal <laughs> Trojan butt. I can't wait. Hey, what a fun year for college football it's been. I know programs like USF Colorado, new head coaches, everyone's been talking about that, ending up in the Dion sweepstakes there. But for a lot of other teams, I mean, TCU in the college football playoff, USC is relevant again. There's a lot lot of things shaking up inside the world of college football this year, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. But let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, Sean, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Buccaneers' victory last weekend. I know we were just giving some love to Tulane, but the Bucs were able to sweep the New Orleans Saints this week, and that's something they haven't been able to do since 2007. It's been a decade and a half since the Bucs were able to put away New Orleans and um, – you know, finally just get that team off of their back because they have gotten the upper hand against Tampa Bay for as many years as we can remember. And, I mean, history is on our side. Like I said, they have not swept this team since 07. So safe to say, you know, even though the Bucs are 6-6, six and six, that's a pretty big deal so far this season for them to go out there and do that, I think. Well, can we officially call 16-3 second half of the fourth quarter the scariest lead in all <laughs> of football? I mean, <laughs> just so happens last night in the Raiders-Rams game, very similar situation. But uh, I'll say this, I mean, never in doubt, right? When they punt it at 16-3 on fourth down, I mean, those boos were a little premature. I told you guys, stop doubting Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady. Uh, they just setting you guys up, man, you know, to, to prove everyone wrong. Now, how fortunate, you know, but – uh. As I've been saying, I probably have been the only beacon of moderateness in this entire Bucks fandom from beginning to end. As I've always stated, they're still in first in the NFC South. Obviously, they're the scariest 6-6 six and six team in the history of football, seeing as Atlanta has waved the white flag and gone to Desmond Ritter. Uh, Carolina traded away Baker Mayfield. So <laughs> it looks like the South is going to be ours. 
Uh, I do say there is like some significance internally with who they swept because the Saints have kind of been a thorn, you know, in the Bucks side, you know, ever since the NFC South was invented and created. So that has to make them feel good. Uh, it probably doesn't have the luster it would have if Drew Brees and Sean Payton were still manning the sideline. But in a year where we've been scratching and clawing, I mean, just get us to the playoffs. And and, and I know we haven't gotten to the Niners game, but I'm picking the Bucks to win this game. Uh, of course, I host a sports betting show on Vison Primetime. I have put in my futures bets for the Bucks to win the NFC and for the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. I just think when you look at what they've done defensively since the Kansas City game, they've given up 151 points. That's only 18 a game. No one's talking about how that defense has stabilized itself in the midst of a bunch of injuries. I mean, they went into this game, no Sean Murphy Bunton, no Winfield. Like, they were missing some key pieces, and yet they still stood tall, only giving up 16 points. So, you know, if they can get healthy, Julio Jones is starting to flash. Chris Godwin is looking really healthy. Uh, Rashard White is starting to, you know, prove like a, a nice gang to hopefully when we get Fournette back up and running his ying. So I think this is a dangerous team. I think it's a great buy low point on the Bucks. Yeah, you know, and I think before we move on to the San Francisco game, I wanted to, to point out, you know, like you said, there's significance of who they swept. It's not just sweeping the Panthers or sweeping the Falcons. You know, they, like they've done that in the past. But a team like the Saints, who, I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks didn't even beat a team like the Saints uh, the entire time. <laughs> Bruce Arians was the head coach in the regular season. It just it didn't happen. So to be able to come back and, and sweep them, especially in the way you did it. Um, you know, coming back like that. I mean, you know, even even the year, you know, 2002, you know, Sean, Sean King, you were on that team. They, you guys won the Super Bowl. You were still swept by New Orleans. Uh, you know, it's just, it always seems like New Orleans has always always had the Bucks number. So it's nice to sort of, you know, turn the tide there and uh, and, and return the favor. Hey, Sean, let me ask you a question, and, and we'll start the conversation about this week's game with the offense. Uh, you know, we, we saw them pull up some magic out at the end of that Monday night football game, right? Tom Brady did his thing. 14 points unanswered in less than four minutes was pretty damn incredible. I mean, at one point, the Saints had a 98.6% chance to win that game, and they could not put it away. But They, 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 they Falcons it. Right, right. <laughs> We talk about the offense, and and you wanted to give a little bit of credit to Byron Leftwich, and I have done that this week as well. A lot of people obviously still not very happy with him. The Bucs were booed off of the field more than one time on Monday night. You know, that offense was in a situation where there were a couple of times where the opportunity presented itself to go ahead and try and go for it on fourth down, and they elected to punt. In hindsight, ended up being the right thing to do, but in the moment, people didn't like it very much. Now, with that being said, the offensive production so far this season, I know the defense has been playing lights out. You would like to see some more takeaways, but at the end of the day, they're top five in scoring. They have been playing well enough to help this team win. With the offense, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whose offense scorer uh, averaged 30 points per game in 2021, if they somehow scored 22 points in all the games that they lost, they would be 10-2 and two right now. <laughs> And, and realistically, 22 points for a Bucks team, especially coming into the season, the lofty expectations that were had, it doesn't seem like a lot. So what do you make with, with Byron Leftwich and where this offense is right now? Because, yeah, the Bucs are winning games. They're winning it with defense. They're winning it with Tom Brady, thank goodness. But this offense still 
hasn't been in a situation to really go out there and, and put this team away comfortably. You know what I mean? Like that that final game-winning drive against the Rams was in the last minute of the game against the Saints. I mean, three seconds left on the clock after the Rashad White touchdown. They wasted no time. So what do you make of this offense and, and how they're winning games for the Bucs right now? Uh, let me t- explain something. Minnesota is 10-2. and two. They've scored 289 points, and they've given up 279. So they're plus 10 in point differential, and they're 10 and 2. So at the end of the day, statistically, if you just looked at certain stats, I mean, you would say that the Bucs are better than the Vikings. Like as you play it out and, you know, some of these outcomes start to regress to fit the process. And I think what you're seeing with Tampa specifically is – they are trying to figure it out in front of us. And I think this is why a lot of teams, as we move forward, are going to alter how they approach the preseason. You know, this notion that we don't have to participate in the preseason, it hadn't worked. The Rams tried it this year. Stafford didn't play a preseason game, and they stink. You look at the Bengals. Burrow got hurt. He didn't play in the preseason. They didn't have any of that offensive line. They got off to a tragically bad start. And I think what you're seeing with Tampa is slowly but surely, as they have pieces, they still haven't figured out how Russell Gage fits into this. They're still trying to mix and match Julio Jones, you know, uh, without Cameron Brake, Cade Iton, what can he do? Or Rashad White, like, what are his strengths? Like, okay, how can we motivate Leonard Fournette but still have him be effect? Like, they're trying to figure some of these things out, I think, on the fly. And uh, I think that's why you hadn't seen the explosiveness or the cohesiveness. But through 12 games, like, the light is still shining at the end of the tunnel. And I'm not going to be surprised if all of a sudden Mike Evans and Brady regain their downfield vertical connection and Julio finds a real role and they find a balance in the slot between Godwin and Gage. And now all of a sudden Fournette and, and, and Rashad White are like a, a, a nice little one-two combo. So, you know, that's kind of why I've been optimistic throughout some of these struggles because the season hadn't gotten out of hand. Now, if I was a Rams fan, I would say, you know, who cares what happens? Like they're already on to next year. They can't make the playoffs. There's no conceivable way. But because of where they were in the division, I felt like they would keep, you know, pounding the rock. You know, I think used to be Coach Dungy's saying, you know, just keep, you know, putting the shovel into the ground and eventually you're going to hit water. So it's still imperfect, um, but you can see that they're still working day and night to get it fixed. Yeah, you know, and, and you, you bring up the, the Vikings and uh, I forget their – exact it might be like nine and oh or something in one score game so they're right. playing a ton of close football games but they're they're winning you know and and the bucks just have not won them you know they lost to the packers by two they lost to the browns in overtime those, those are two one score games right there uh the ravens game ended up being a, a one score game when, when it was all said and done um you know and it's it, it's difficult, and, and you know, Rhett, you bring up a good point that 22 points is not a lot of points. Uh, they, just, they just scored those. Um, you know, they would be a lot different right now. We'd be having a, many different conversations right now about this team, but uh, and, and, and not and, 
and, and not to cut you off, Evan, I just want to put context on what I was saying. If the Bucks ended up having to go to Minnesota in the playoffs, who would feel like the Bucks can't win that game? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, that, that that just was that was that was the yeah that yeah. just was the point I was making. Like ten and two, six and six on paper, it looks like these teams are drastically far apart as far as you know. But when the quality, you when you compare the that. when you compare the close wins and the close losses, you know, the games that really could have gone either way, the gap isn't as big as people would think. Yeah, and their close wins and losses are against Lions, Bears. I know they had the one. Josh Allen fumbled in the end zone game against Buffalo. But. Yeah. Yeah. They, All right, my they, bad, Evan. They got, Go they got away with one there. But, uh, right. yeah, so, I, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, you are starting. And I think, you know, after after that, the, the Baltimore game, I think you've seen a better offense. Now, it hasn't resulted in as many points still. But I think you're seeing a better offense because of the guys like Kate Otten and Rashad White, like them guys stepping up, becoming a bigger part of the offense. I think that's why you're seeing a little bit more improvement there. You know, I think you know Cameron Bright, if he returns this week, uh, it seemed like he's on track to do so. I still think Kate Otten should probably be the, the tight end one right now. I think he's earned it. Um so with his play, obviously you can't break the veteran. I'm not just going to completely bench him, but I think Otten should be getting a good bit of the reps at that spot. So, um, you know, the offense, the, the points aren't there. Uh, and the the process at times is very, very frustrating. And at times versus New Orleans, it was very frustrating. Um, but it's still, you know, they are close. I mean, despite what people want to say, you know, Byron Leftwich even says, you know, they're close. And, like, when you look at the film, like, yeah, they are. Like, do they need some better quarterback play? A little bit. You know, I, I mean, you know, I, I thought Brady was playing pretty poorly until that fourth quarter on Monday night. Um, do they need better offensive line play? A little bit. Do their run game need to be better? Yes. Like, does Mike Evans need to be better? Yes. Like, the, the Brady-Evans connection that you mentioned, Sean, uh, might be the most – the single most important thing – whether they're this offense is going to get back on track or not, because if that can get back, then that opens up a lot more things for the entire offense. If they can get back on track and, and if they can't, I think they're going to struggle against some of these better teams, but if they can, I think they really could open up a lot of stuff for the rest of the receivers, like a Godwin, a gauge uh, for the rest of the offense. As we take a look at Sunday's game against San Francisco, not only is it a big deal for the Buccaneers to potentially win and get themselves back up to a positive win-loss record on the season, they would go to 7-6. and six, for, but, for the uh, first time since week three. That's I know, man. It seems like forever ago since the Buccaneers had a positive record, and, and they've usually had one while Tom Brady has been quarterback. So it's it's been quite quite a strange sight so far this year. But not only is it a tough game for the Buccaneers in that aspect, but – it does have uh, does have some playoff seeding implications, not necessarily this week, but it could later on down the road as teams want to finish up the year strong. San Francisco, another worthy contender in the NFC. And if the Bucs win this game, they have that head-to-head tiebreaker. And later at the end of the year, when you're talking about division winners and you know who's fighting for spots, that could be the difference between maybe a third and a fourth seed for the Bucs. And right now, you'd almost rather be the third seed than the fourth seed uh, in the NFC. And that that's a big difference because you know as the four seed. Oh no no guys no no no. <laughs> I'm no just, there, there's a there's a big difference between. There is no. There is a big difference between playing the Dallas Cowboys at, at in Ram James Stadium or playing the New York Giants or Washington Commanders. Like there is. There, there is not. There, there is the Cowboys are better than far better than both those teams. 
Yeah, first of all, the Giants won't be in the playoffs, I don't think. I, I think don't the Commanders. Know. And if you look at how the Commanders are playing, they're playing as, as good a football as anybody right now. And they're oh, at some point are going to get Chase Young back. You know, yeah. I'm just telling you, inside of an NFL locker room, you don't look at it like that. No, would you I love know, to have it? But... Would you love to have a home game? Absolutely. But you look at it like if Dallas is that good, we're gonna have to play them anyway at some point. Yeah. So if we're gonna lose to them, let's lose to them in the wild card, not the NFC Championship game. You know, shit. Let's go ahead and get on vacation. Like <laughs> if that's what we got, if that's what we got to beat, then let's go ahead and knock them out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I get, I get, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, but you know, as far as seating and stuff goes, if they're the three, they would play. You know, uh, obviously the the six, but then that would also mean they wouldn't have. I mean, Philly is likely going to be the one seed. Um, so that would mean they wouldn't have to travel to Philly until at the earliest, the NFC championship game. So, and Philly right now is playing like the best team in football. So, um, you know, they're going to be a tough out. And, and I, I think, want, I want Philly first playoff game. <laughs> I bet I with the history. Cause they got with your team they, you would. to be honest. That's, that's when they're most vulnerable. Cause mm-hmm. as good as they've been this year, they don't have a whole bunch of playoff pedigree. Mm-hmm. Like they got a lot of guys who are going to be doing it for the first time. You know, uh, and I know I know Philly made the playoffs last year, but they didn't shake anything. Like, so the pressure's going to be on them. No, Philly. It's probably F- Philly made the playoffs last year, and then uh, you know, all of a sudden it was thirty-one to nothing in Tampa Bay, and that game was said and done. So I, I think not only do Bucks fans want to see that matchup, but so do a lot of Philly fans. It's a much different team this year. It's, yeah, two two very different teams with, mm-hmm. with the Bucks. We own Philly, y'all. We we tore down the. <laughs> And then we made them want to tear down Lincoln Financial. You always got that over the Eagles, baby. We kicked that butt in the last ever game in Veterans Raggedy Stadium, and then we <laughs> kicked that butt because the NFL disrespected us and had the defending Super Bowl champion on the road to open the following season. And we went in there with Sylvester Stallone. By the way, if you haven't seen Tulsa King, it is tremendous. Is it? Sylvester Stallone plays. Oh, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah. We went in there. Sylvester was all in the stairway yelling. <laughs> We kicked that butt first game of Lincoln Financial. Take that, McNabb. I like the energy. It's historic. That's I mean, history actually, right I mean, there. Uh, it, it was a shutout, right? They, they, they yeah, so, so every time the Eagles fans get a little chirpy, just remind them of that. All right, well, let's talk about the matchup for Tampa Bay this weekend in the Bay Area. Over there on the West Coast, Tom Brady headed back home to San Francisco, and we talked a little bit about this Bucks offense. I want to get – some more thoughts on it heading into this game. So Tristan Wirfs has already been confirmed out for the second week in a row. And uh, lucky for Tampa Bay, Donovan Smith hasn't been playing well. And this week, he's going to match up against Nick Bosa, who just so happens to lead the NFL in sacks. So with that being said, it's safe to say that San Francisco, while they are going to be starting a rookie quarterback, they have got a stout defense. And uh, if there's anything they're going to be able to do, it's going to be neutralize this Buccaneers offense. Now they could go out there and probably still uh, still score 17 points and win this game because if the Buccaneers defense can play the way that we want it to, then uh, hopefully that's the narrative for this one. But what do we think about the Buccaneers offense this week? I mean, the biggest question on everyone's minds is uh, how are they going to move the ball? Because San Francisco is is ranked pretty high in both stopping the run and the pass. And uh, with an offensive line that needs to protect Tom Brady just a little bit better, it's going to be a tough task this week. 
Oh, and not only are you playing a really good defense, you're also on the road. So I, I think, you know, that combination is always, always difficult. And, um, you know, they're just, they're going to have to play better than they did last week. They're going to have to play better than probably their best offensive performance this week. You know, because I think this is one of the best defenses they're going to see uh, all year. So um, they, they have talent all around the board, all three levels of their defense. Uh, and, and this could be a game where, I'm the, but the one thing, if you were going to, nitpick the 49ers defense the one thing you could say is their corners aren't as strong as some other teams so this could be a game where possibly mike evans and brady get that connection back if they do it could mean a pretty efficient day for the offense that's that's the biggest thing for me i think you need to avoid the backbreaking turnovers which they they've done a pretty good job of this year uh, i know they had the two turnovers against new orleans but you have to avoid those backbreaking ones and uh if you can protect the football and just continually move the chains you can get the san francisco defense tired and you can start to wear them down and score a little bit of points there talk a lot about history this week just a fun tidbit of information about tom brady his next touchdown that he throws as a tampa bay buccaneer will be his 100th passing touchdown as a tampa bay buccaneer in less than three seasons obviously and, and making it might, it might be basically in his home yeah yeah, that is a very big deal. But uh, what do you think, Sean, about the offense? I know we talked about Byron Leftwich a little bit earlier. What are they going to have to hone in on this week? Or what do you think may have to be the focus more than anything else to try and find some rhythm against a really good 49ers defense? Well, the Bucks not looking at it like we go and play this great defense. They're looking at it like, man, we got Hall of Famers stepping off the plane that's going to have Tampa jerseys on. I mean, how are they going to stop us? And I think that's the swag confidence they have to get back. I mean, the hell with San Francisco. We walking in the stadium, first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe greatest quarterback ever, Tom Brady. Uh, Mike Evans, in a down year, is about to have a 1,000 yards receiving. Chris Godwin now finally healthy. Julio Jones, you saw the catch he made against the Saints. Like, we walking in like, hey, man, y'all got to deal with us. We ain't worried about y'all. Like, uh, I hope Tristan Wirfs doesn't play the rest of the regular season. I want him to get completely healthy. You know, him coming back for me, for me I just want him to be healthy once the playoffs start. But, man, you got to have that kind of swag, man. If you go in their locker room before the game, they put their cleats on, they show the pass on, just like we do. You know, that's the approach you got. You have to have. And we got to start getting back to that mentality. You know, I stressed earlier defensively that we weren't playing with that kind of level of uh, intensity and physicality, and you've seen that start to ratchet up much better, tackling in open spaces the last few weeks, uh, much better getting off the field on third down, um, much better contesting a lot of catches. So you can see them improving, and you'd expect that with Bowles' background being on defense. You know, I think he doesn't get enough credit for how he never panicked. You know, even when, you know, people were calling for his head, you know, I think one of the greatest things they did marketing-wise is when they put publicly – that conversation he had with his team. And you didn't hear any panic in Todd Bowles' voice. He simply was stating the facts. Guys, we have the talent and the personnel in this room. We have to be a little better at our responsibilities. And you've seen that start to happen. Now, offensively, we got to get out the gates quicker. Like, I feel like we sleepwalk through the first half in a lot of these games. Like, I, I don't sense and feel that juice on offense. So, if I'm left with, I'm attacking that. Like, I I'm putting up a cut-up of what we've done the second half in a fourth quarter, the second half of the fourth quarter in games we've come back and won. 
So why aren't we attacking the first drive in the same way that we're attacking that uh, that that part of the game? So you know, I think the Bucks are going to continue to just get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And this is a great opportunity to prove it. Having said that, I will have on a Brock Purdy jersey, at least for a social media picture, because uh, they brought me back to life, fellas. I, I thought I yeah. had evaporated, out, you know, into the, the – uh, yeah. Good morning football. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my man Booger, everybody brought me back to life. So I got to capitalize, you know, on this this opportunity. And I got to – but I'm rooting for Tampa. Y'all know that. All my, my bets are on Tampa. So uh, – but I got I got to show some love. You know what I'm saying? So uh, – no, nah, but I'm just telling you, the, the way that – and I'm a fan now. I just happen to have the background of having been in the locker room. The way that a fan looks at the game is not how an elite team looks at the game. And I know they're 6-6, six and six, so their record is far from elite this year, but they still are the same guys that won a championship. A lot of these guys have that ring, so – they're looking at it a whole completely different way. If you look at the Miami Dolphins, San Francisco game film, Miami lost because Tua was terrible. Mm-hmm. Miami didn't lose because Tua didn't have guys running wide open from start to finish. I don't know what happened, um, but he played his worst game of the season. And Miami's not even really good on defense. And for the most part, you know, they limited and minimized, you know, that, that San Francisco attack. So when you watch that tape, you're looking at it like, Brady's going to make these throws. You know, we got to make sure that, that we're on top of our stuff protection-wise. Uh, we don't want to give Bosa a whole lot of uh, uh, open edges, you know, where he can get in a wide nine and really put our tackles in situations. We're going to have to move K-Dot and Cameron Brady. We're going to have to chip with uh, Fournette and Rashad. And if they get into the route concept late, that's better than Bosa getting to Brady early. Yeah. And so those are some of the sacrifices as a play caller that you have to make. Uh, you, you just want to make him work for it. Make Bosa work. Don't give him anything easy. And if they can do that, you know, get this thing to the fourth quarter. Listen, I'm all for Brock Purdy being a reincarnation of Sean King. But I'm, my money's with Brady <laughs> versus Purdy, you know, if this game is on the line in the fourth. So you know, I'm looking at it like Tampa's, you know, here to kind of make a statement. So that's why I said, you know, uh, you guys should go ahead and put a little futures bet in you know, on Tampa to win the NFC and Tampa to win the Super Bowl. And because uh, it's not going to get any higher. The odds aren't going to get any better from here on out. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But, um, you know, when when you're talking about the mentality thing, that, that that's why I like that mm-hmm. you brought that up. And I think the Bucks have been – before Brady got here, they didn't have it. Then Brady mm-hmm. got here, and they, they started to get it, right? They started to get more confidence going into the game expecting to win, not hoping to win. Um, I think there, there's a big difference between expecting it and, and hoping. You know, on your your 2000s, you know, that 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 defense, you know, you knew going into that game that they were going to kick the, the offense's butt, right? You just, you just knew it. Um, and, and the defense expected that. Like, the offense, the entire team expected that to happen. And I think for this offense right now, um, that's what that's what they're missing. They are missing that that edge um, that, you know, hey, we're, you know, we still are who we are. And, you know, it doesn't change the last two years. Yeah, the pieces are different there. There's a lot of different pieces, but we can still do this because you still have the talent. So I think that's what they're missing right now. And hopefully a win like they just had versus New Orleans can give them the confidence to be able to go in there and say, look, like, you know, this is our body of work here and, and we can turn this thing around. 
Yeah. I, and you I, know what? And they're, they're, they're going to have to prove it now. Yeah, San yeah, Francisco yeah. thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I can hear them now. I can hear Warner now. Hey, hey Mike Evans, who will win a 40 between you and Brady right now? <laughs> well, take them ankle weights off. Like, they, all of that is yeah. happening. Like, they're making sure that they're letting you know what we see on film. So, you know, hopefully the guys respond in the proper way. Like, man, we can beat San Francisco. San Francisco is unbeatable. That's kind of why I've been so positive. I don't see a complete football team in the NFL this year. I'm just telling you, if you take away Jalen Hurts' improvisation, Philly don't really scare you. That run defense yeah. is average. Yeah, they just how, lost Charlton Gardner-Johnson. How can you take well, that away, though? That's a huge that's that's, that's 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 where your Devin Whites and your Levante David show up big in that kind of game. Bucks are one of the few teams that have two backers that have shown they can track. They can get to the football, you know, when they're locked in. So, you know, now they got to do it. Now, saying it is one thing, you know, getting them on the ground is something different. But, you know, a lot of what Jalen does is based on lack of rush discipline by the front. When you play a quarterback like a Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields, you don't rush to get the sack. You rush to force them to throw the ball. And so when you watch them escape from the pocket, just look at the end. He's got contained. He gets selfish. He goes underneath. Now you're playing man behind it. Jalen's out. You know, he's running. Half your defense is is playing man. Like, you just got to be disciplined in how you rush a quarterback like that. Force him to sit in the pocket and and, and make throws. If he can beat you like that, so be it. Same thing with Brock Brock Purdy. You want to make Brock Purdy have to get to his third and fourth options. Yeah. So I'm going to be aggressive. You know, I'm going to make sure that, that we're in the passing lanes when we're playing zone. I want to make sure that we don't give up any cheap big plays and man. Like, this is the kind of game where, Carlton, don't grab. Make the quarterback and the receiver complete the play. Like, I, I get frustrated sometimes with some of our guys in the secondary because they get these unnecessary pass interference penalties. You know, these unnecessary holding, you know, defense on third down. Like, the ball's seven feet away in the dirt, and all of a sudden they got an automatic first down because we're just grabbing people. Like, this is the game, man. Listen, trust your technique. Force Brock to deliver the football accurately and on time. That, that's the way that I would approach this kind of game. Yeah, you, you got to let, let let him beat you. If mm-hmm. he beats yeah. you, he beats you. But, um, yeah, let, let, don't give him anything free. One more spot on the offense I wanted to talk about before we deep dive into uh, the other side of the football here, the running back position. So you mentioned Leonard Fournette using him to help out as a blocker a little bit. He hasn't practiced. He didn't practice today, which means he may or may not be ready to go. We don't know for sure. Tristan Wurst right now, the only confirmed player out for Tampa Bay. But I want to feel like Lenny gives it a go. But if he doesn't, I think either way, we're going to see a healthy dose of Rashad White, the rookie fresh off a game winning touchdown in Raymond James Stadium. Sean, what do you think of Rashad White so far? I think as far as the run game goes and even just being a receiving threat out of the backfield, he has been a bit of a second wind for this offense here in the second half of the season so far. Well, he's getting better. Um, I still think he's got to find the balance between being evasive and having great ball security. You can see him. It's on his mind because he's put that ball on the ground a couple of times. I think the first time we saw it was the kickoff return Kansas versus City. Kansas City. So he put the ball on the ground again against the Saints. Now, what happens with a young player like that is his greatest asset is, you know, his ability to make people miss in space, his ability to accelerate, decelerate with speed. 
but a lot of that is tied into you know the mechanisms of your arms being able you know if you watch a track runner they're read they're pulling the rope as they run so he's got to find that balance on, on how to be evasive and still have great ball security but you can see the ability you know there and um as he gets more comfortable, hopefully he's going to get more explosive. You know, I would love for them in the red zone because of the ability of Fournette and Rashad to do some more um, two running back stuff. You know, we have both of those guys, you know, as, as eligible pass catchers because I both think they, they do a great job in the pass game. Uh, I don't understand Leonard Fournette sometimes. Like, um, I think he's a guy that gets emotionally hijacked. And I think when he's in the right mental frame of mind, and I think he's a really, really excellent football player, but, but I think he can get off track. And uh, he's one of those guys, if, if he's not feeling it, you're going to see it. Like, he don't have a good – he don't do a good job of hiding it. So, you know, hopefully this is just a little phase that he's going through. Uh, I don't – people forget during the um, the Super Bowl year, Fournette almost got sent home. Yeah, you know, he, he was he almost got, cut. He got – yeah, he got pouty one day in practice, and he called himself walking off because I think they had uh, named uh, – was it was it Ronald Jones? Was, they had yeah. made Jones the starter. It's kind of this same situation. And, you know, Arians was about to send him home. And, uh, you know, lucky the running back coach said, hey, Coach, give me a shot. And, you know, ultimately he was a big reason we won that Super Bowl. But Todd just got to find out, you know, what's his trigger? Like, how do I get him back locked in? like where he's running with power. Like, that's where he frustrates me. If you look at his LSU film, he has the ability to run through contact. He has the ability to, ability to have the same impact Josh Jacobs has for the Ra- Raiders. Uh, and that that's yards after contact. But then sometimes, you know, you know, him and Brady probably about the same when it, when it comes to getting tackled in space when he's not feeling it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Having a few times on Monday night. Right, right. So, uh, and hopefully we get the good Leonard here. Hopefully he can see the light at the end of the tunnel. This is another opportunity, you know, if he can get hot, you know, maybe go back and get another bag. So, yeah, you know, I, but I do think Rashad White has shown a lot of a lot of talent. He just got to get his confidence to the point where where he's secure and taking care of that football. Because when you put that on tape, now they're going for it all the time. Yeah. And I think for this Buccaneers offense in this matchup, consistency is going to be your best friend. Kind of like that first drive against New Orleans that we talked about, you know, converting short yardage situation, staying on the field after a third and one, third and two, burning a lot of clock. I mean, they took up seven and a half, eight minutes off of the first quarter on that first drive against New Orleans. And I think stuff like that and uh, ultimately not making any mistakes with the football is going to be the key to keeping this one close. But let's talk about the defense. So, uh, I mean, a lot can be said about the rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, not so irrelevant anymore, Brock Purdy and his first career start. But, I mean, I think the bigger storyline here, at least for Tampa Bay, is going to be the takeaways because everyone's going to say, well, when you play a rookie quarterback, you know, you want to make him feel pressured. You want him to get rid of the ball early, maybe force a couple of mistakes because if there's anything a young – young inexperienced quarterback is good for it may be one or two interceptions a game now with that being said this is a Buccaneers defense with only two takeaways in the last eight games while they have been playing some of the best football we have seen these last couple of years and one of those takeaways was on a Hail Mary right so (laughs) I I mean you know safe to say the Bucs aren't getting a lot of takeaways and another problem that we've talked about is that they aren't really close to them either it's not like there's a lot of deflected balls where Carlton Davis is right there in a position to make a play um, so how are the Bucks going to have to try and change that this week? I know it's much easier said than done, but Evan, 
your thoughts on the defense headed into this week's matchup. Yeah, I think the the key to forcing turnovers, especially when you're facing you know inexperienced quarterbacks, got to be pressure. Um, and I, I think they have to provide consistent pressure. And and it was inconsistent on on Monday night, but it showed up when it mattered. Uh, obviously, Carl Nassib getting that that big sack, and they they pressured Dalton a few other times. But there were some times where Dalton had a, had a ton of time. Um, and I, I think, you know, no matter who it is, if a quarterback is sitting there with five, six seconds in the pocket, he's going to be able to find somebody open, you know, your corners can only cover for so long. So I think pressure, like you said, forcing Purdy to make quick decisions. Look, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive coaches in the league. He's not going to put, uh, Brock Purdy in a bunch of, um, you know, precarious situations. He's not going to put him in tough spots. So they're going to want to get to third and short. They're going to want to get the second and short to where he can either dump the ball off quickly to McCaffrey or Debo, um, or they're going to be able to run the ball, which obviously the 49ers have been able to do that for a long time. Um, so I don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to want to put him in those situations where he's going to have to throw, which I, I think is going to be actually um, less about you know, Purdy and how you're going to stop him in the pass. I think if the Bucks stop the run, I think that's actually going to be a bigger key to deciding this game because if you're able to force Purdy into third and nine, third and eight, where they have to throw the ball and have to throw it beyond the sticks, um, I think that's where you could come up with maybe a turnover or two. Just like we talked about, and you mentioned it, you know, they're not even really close to many turnovers here. Um, So, you know they come in bunches uh the bucks have had well they had one against seattle which is a critical one a very critical one the fumble uh the seahawks are about to score but one against seattle and then the one on a hail mary against cleveland other than that you know they haven't really come close so i think the key to getting turnovers is pressure but i also think that it's putting the 49ers in situations where Purdy has to throw, where he has to make a seven, eight, nine yard throw rather than a a two yard dump off to McCaffrey and he gets the easy first down. I think if you're having the 49ers in those situations, that's exactly what they want. They'll be able to control the clock, control the tempo, and it could be a long day. But if you're able to stop them on, on first and second down, um, only allow, you know, two or three yards in those two downs, I think you could have a lot of success and maybe come away with a turnover or two. I got a completely different perspective on this thing. Garoppolo, 10 starts this year. Threw the ball more than 30 times, only four. So that tells me when you look back at the fact that he had taken them to a Super Bowl, yet they gave up all of those assets to trade up and draft trade Lance. He took them to the NFC Championship game last year, and we're talking about Garoppolo. Yet they told Garoppolo, you can come to training camp, but you don't have to participate. We're going to try and find a trade partner for you. So I said that to say Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. Yet in the first game that Brock Purdy fills in, they throw the ball 37 times. I'm telling you, there's a greater trust quotient with Purdy and Shanahan than there is with Garoppolo and Shanahan because he's seen Jimmy run out the back of the end zone. He's seen Jimmy sell the whole 150 acres for $1.50 in the second half of the Super Bowl. Like, he's watched that happen. He saw Jimmy last year for no reason throw the game away against the Rams. If Jimmy just takes the sack and they punt, they probably win that game. So 
I would, I'm not going to be surprised if he's aggressive with Purdy until Purdy shows him that he shouldn't be. And uh, so I think the Bucks. that's what you have to plan for. You have to make sure that you don't give up something cheap by being undisciplined, by being too aggressive early in this game. Like, I'd rather give up a couple 12-yard out routes than think that I'm going to sit on everything and, and Ayuk or Debo or Kittle's double moves us and, you know, they're throwing the ball over our head because I'm telling you, Shanahan been trying to get rid of Garoppolo for a minute now. He just hasn't figured out, you know, how to do it. You know, uh, so I think you have to keep that in the back of your mind that this could be a more aggressive game plan than we anticipate. And a lot of that could be he's looking at a, a buck secondary. First of all, it's injury riddled. And secondly, as you mentioned, hadn't been really turnover prone. Like yeah. they haven't forced a lot of turnovers. They haven't been getting deflections and catching them. You know, they haven't been breaking on balls. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of trepidation, you know, from him. I mean, the Bucks haven't been – dominating from a pass rush standpoint. What they have been doing is great red zone defense, giving up field goals, not touchdowns, you know, keeping the game manageable so that, you know, they have a chance to win in the fourth. So, you know, I think they got to be on their P's and Q's, especially early, because I think he's going to challenge these guys down the field. And if that's the case, I I do think that either way, this pass rush does have to be a little bit better than they were Monday night against New Orleans, because even though Andy Dalton didn't run wild, it did seem like whenever he was back there to pass, he had three, four, five, six seconds to really stand there in the pocket, move around, run over to this hash, run to this hash, and then throw the football. And you just can't do that. I mean, if they want to get aggressive with a rookie quarterback, then so be it. You know, you can you can bend but not break. But either way, I don't think you should be giving any quarterback that much time to operate. And if you want the rest of this defense to follow suit, you know, shorten these plays, like get to the quarterback. Um, I, I thought guys like Carl Nassib might need a little bit more playing time in this defense, to be honest with you. Uh, the snap counts last week came out and Anthony Nelson, I think, was like the most played outside linebacker as far as snap count go. Not even Joe Tryon, Shoyinka or Carl Nassib uh, were able to get that many reps in. So I, I think... You know, you got to maybe change the way you send those guys out there. I'd like to see a little more Carl Nassib had that huge sack at the end of the game. But I, I think, you know, point blank, Listen, they the, be, point blank at the end of the day, the pass rush is just they got to get there. Yeah, you just I think if you're looking at a, a, a the elephant in the room, I mean, listen, Vita Vea is a phenomenal football player, but his strength is not rushing the quarterback. Right. And when he leaves you in sacks – and your second leading sacker is a linebacker, then, I mean, I know Shaq Barrett's battling some injuries, but, I mean, this is what Joe Tryon was drafted to do, right? Replace Jason Pierre-Paul. And so you've got to get more from that position. As you mentioned, if it's a combination of Nassib and, and Tryon, so you keep them fresh, we got to get a pass rush from that front four. When we've been great, whether it's my time, or whether it's the Super Bowl year, it's because they could get pressure with four. Mm -hmm. They had guys that could get to the quarterback on third down, get that ball out of the quarterback's hand quick, and, and you're, you're dead, you're spot on. We haven't been able to do that. So, you know, this will be a tough week for it to happen because you have to really put those heels in the ground because they run the ball so effectively. You know, they run the ball in such a myriad of ways with McCaffrey and Debo and, you know, they got rid of Jeff Wilson, who was excellent, and then Eli Mitchell got hurt, and it didn't matter because they got Davis Price yeah. or yeah. Mason, yeah. you know, so it's just like, yeah. right. So, I mean, 
you, you've got to be run first in those situations because Shanahan will run the ball on third mm-hmm. and six. But at the same time, like the guys that are getting checks every week and they're supposed to specialize in rushing the quarterback, they've got to start producing. So let's talk about this Buccaneers secondary, and then we'll get to some score predictions and wrap this thing up. Um, you know, we talked about how decimated they were, especially the defensive back room, missing guys like SMB last week. Antoine Winfield Jr. wasn't playing. Now, not sure who they're going to have once it's all said and done this week, because, again, not anybody in that room has been rolled out, but some guys look more doubtful than others. But I did want to give some praise to the guys who stepped up and played well, and that's Keanu Neal and obviously the return of Logan Ryan coming off of IR from Monday night's game. They have been playing well. Um, I think Keanu Neal started the year playing well. Logan Ryan was hot as well. I think Keanu Neal went a little underappreciated, but you know he kind of gives me shades of Keanu Neal's of he gives me shades of a Jordan Whitehead. He's not Jordan Whitehead. He's not as stable or as consistent. You know what I mean? He's not showing up as much in run support as a Jordan Whitehead, but. He is your enforcer at the safety position, and he's... He lays the boom, man. I mean, he's been around the play. You know what I mean? He's been hitting people, and uh, he's been kicking ass back there. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to those guys. That Tom Brady drive doesn't happen if it's not for Keanu. Yeah, that big incompletion to Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill holds on to that ball. The Bucs, 99% chance that they lose. Like, that's it. Um, They might have gotten the ball back, but maybe with only a few seconds instead of, you know, a minute 30 or whatever. Um, so that's a big, what's the, what's the injury, what's the injury update on Winfield and, uh, Murphy, Buck? yeah, so I, I believe, uh, they both practiced, but they were limited. Uh, I believe the same with, uh, Mike Edwards as well. Uh, Bowles said he didn't really have many updates that are, they're hopeful that some of them can go, but they're not a hundred percent sure. The only one that's been ruled out is, is Worfs. And he also said about Fournette that he was hopeful he could go, but, um, I think all of them are going to be pretty much game time decisions, pretty close to it. Um, but, uh, you know, um, as far as, yeah, the secondary goes, I think it's Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean both have some tough assignments this week with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, especially Ayuk. Ayuk's been really good this year. At times, he's been better than, than Samuel. I know Samuel does a little bit of everything in the 49ers offense, but Ayuk has been, like, really, really good. So that's going to be a challenge. And and for the safeties, it's more specifically a guy like Keanu Neal. He might have to cover a guy like George Kittle. And, you know, obviously Kittle's one of the best tight ends in the league. That's going to be a challenge as well. So um, this secondary, hopefully they can get one of those, you know, secondary guys back. So you can give them a little bit of different looks here and there, whether it's Winfield, Edwards, Murphy Bunting. So you can give them, you know, different looks at nickel or, or anything like that. Uh, you can play Zion McCollum a little bit less. I, I like McCollum's potential, but I just think the rookie right now is just not really ready for, for this moment. So he got beat up a little bit on, on Monday night. Um, so if you're able to play him a little bit less because one of those guys comes back, I think that would work out really well. And, um, you know, I think just like Sean said, the secondary is going to be disciplined. I think you, know, you can't really – especially with a rookie quarterback, make him earn it. You know, you, you can't give him anything cheap and easy. So uh, you can't give up the 30-yard the pass interference penalty. Uh, that they, oh, that yeah. can't happen. That sets up a touchdown. So uh, don't give anything free. And, and I think that the secondary can be up to the challenge because, again, like the 49ers don't push the ball down the field consistently, but they will test you with a lot of different looks and stuff. So I think the secondary has got to be ready for that. Yeah. Let's get to our picks. So – <laughs> funny enough for the first time in what feels like months and maybe the first time all season 
The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not favored to win this game. The road trip probably has a lot to do with that, but San Francisco comes into this one. The lines that I have in front of me say that they are three and a half point favorites and the over under is 37 points. So, uh, I Evan, like, I like I, I like that over. I, I yeah, like over there. You think so? You got a lot of faith in the offense. At least one of these offenses <sighs> oh, this well, week is gonna. Actually, I don't know. I, I might be. I don't know. I might be telling uh, myself a little bit here. I don't know. All right. Well, let me get your let me get your picks first, since you're so undecided here. You think the Bucks are gonna win this game, and uh, you think they're gonna cover? Uh, yeah. It's it's a tough game. I mean, I think the 49ers, especially before Garoppolo went down, I think the 49ers were really on track to maybe play an NFC title game. They might still be. Um, because they, they were getting better and better each week. And uh, but now Garoppolo's injury really changes everything. So you have a huge wild card with Brock Purdy. Like you don't know what he's gonna be, how he's gonna look. Um, and I think that that kind of it helps the Bucks because it's an inexperienced quarterback, but it also hurts them because there's less film. So uh there's a, some different things that the 49ers might be able to do that the Bucks haven't seen before. Uh I I I think it's a hard-fought game, but I don't think the Bucks win. Um, I think the 49ers are just a bit too good. You're on a short week. Uh, you played Monday night, and then you have to travel to the West Coast. I believe the Bucks are might be traveling tonight to, to San Francisco. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I, I, I don't think they win. Um, I What is that? You said three and a half? Three and yeah, a half, San Fran favored. Mm. See, I was wrestling with two different predictions. One of them would have the Bucks covering. One of them wouldn't. Uh, I'm gonna go with the with the cover one, but the over uh, the over under actually, I told on myself there it would not hit the over under. So I'm gonna say uh, 20 to 17 49ers. It hits 37. It doesn't hit 37 and a half. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, 20 to 17 49ers. Uh, it's gonna be a close game. I think it's gonna be a um, yeah. I think the 49ers just gonna be able to do just enough. Uh, to be able to pull out the win. You know, I, I got a similar score than you do, but I got the Buccaneers taking this one. 21-16, to 16, my final score. I like the Bucs outright in this contest. I, I think it's a statement game for Tampa Bay. Uh, like both of you guys had mentioned earlier, you know, this is their chance to make a statement and prove to the rest of the NFC. Like, you know, we're not the bums that you thought we were three, four weeks ago when we were uh, losing games we shouldn't have been. With that being said, as teams look to get more competitive down the stretch, I think this is going to do a lot for playoff seeding for Tampa Bay in the long run. They go on a little bit of a run here, and I think they take this one. It's a tough road game, but I just can't see Tom Brady losing in San Francisco. Only his second time in his 20-plus year career that he has played in San Francisco against the That's 49ers. Crazy. So it is kind of crazy. So you know that this game is going to mean a lot to him personally. But, Sean, what's your pick for this one? So I'm waiting on this stat from my uh, my research guy for my show. I haven't gotten it back. I want to take the Bucks, but I just feel like historically, man, we've been bottom of the elephant foot bad on our trips to California. Like, I feel like historically we've gone out there and got woodshedded I remember uh, my Super Bowl year, the Raiders beat the hell out of us. <laughs> I remember Brady, I think first year, we went to the Rams and they would shatter us. Like, I just feel like when we go west, the, 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 last, results- time, the last time the Bucks went to San Francisco, um, it was 2016, They the Bucks won. Uh, that was a bad San Francisco team, though. Chip Kelly was the head coach. Colin Kaepernick was the quarterback. Just not good. 
Um, Shoot, that, I that forgot was, Chip Kelly coached the 49ers. Yeah, that was bad. Um, but that, that was the last time the Bucks went to San Francisco. They won. So uh, the last two times that San Francisco, they beat the uh, – they beat the 49ers in Tampa, and then the last time these two teams played, San Francisco uh, won the opener of 2019. So it's it's been it's been a it's been a minute since the Bucks have played in San Francisco. So uh, I'm going Bucks 17, San Francisco 16. I think it's low scoring. Same uh, as the one thing last week. There we go. Are, uh, are the are the 49ers going to have a 16 to three lead? That's all I want to know. Is it going to happen for a, a third time? The uh the thing I'm gonna be interested in watching early is uh I know when the Chiefs came to Tampa and really got physical with us in the run game, we didn't respond well. So I know that that's the makeup of this 49ers team. That's what Shanahan wants to be. So early in this contest, I'm really gonna be looking at one thing, and that's what happens at the point of contact in the run game. Whether it's McCaffrey, whether it's uh, I think his name is Mason, whether it's Debo. When we have opportunities to get their ball carriers on the ground, um, are we getting them tackled for without gaining an extra two, three yards? And uh, I'm probably going to wait and live bet this until I see like the first, you know, couple tackles. And, and are we are we getting multiple hats to the ball? One, and what's happening at the point of contact? Because you know, if you go back and it, it's a good little. Uh, little uh, homework for you guys, you know, before the game. Go back and rewatch the first quarter of Kansas City. And you could tell Pacheco, Hilaire, like when those guys were running, contact was made at the 30, the ball carry was getting to the 32-33. So that's what I'm going to watch early. You know, what do we look like? If we're tackling and they're getting them on the ground, then I'm going Bucks money line. If, if we're, it's one of them games where McCaffrey's – getting hit two yards in the backfield and he's gaining three. It might not look like a lot, but I'm telling you, I, that, that lets me know, okay, this is going to be a struggle today. So I'm going to wait. I'm pulling for the Bucks to win it. I think it's a statement game. Uh, regardless of what happens in this game, I still think they're, the arrow is pointing in the right direction for them. But I'm going to go 17-16, hard-fought, you know, uh, conference win that, you know, may be a, a prelude, you know, to what we're going to see in the uh, playoffs because I know they had a report that Garoppolo will return, but I don't think he's coming back. I think his last game was the 49er, you know, was the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and just a footnote on this box team and where they are. Win, lose, or draw this week. They could fall to 6-7 and seven, still have first place in the NFC South. Realistically, as long as they win those last two out of three division games, they could finish with an 8-9 and nine record, worst-case scenario, and still have a spot at the playoffs. Not ideal, but uh, obviously it's all going to depend on how you come out and play this week. All right, one more question, and then we're going to go. This is a quick one. Who's going to catch Tom Brady's 100th touchdown as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? I think that Mike Evans' connection is back this week, and he scores a touchdown in San Francisco. He scores a touchdown for the first time, what, eight, nine weeks since it's been uh, big number 13 in the end zone? So I think he's the one to get Brady's 100th touchdown throw. What do you think, Evan? Who's it going to be? Keyshawn Vaughn. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I, I actually like uh, Chris Godwin. Yeah, okay. Chris Godwin. He had a touchdown in Cleveland, uh, had the touchdown versus New Orleans. They got called back. So I'd like Godwin to get in the end zone and catch the 100th touchdown of Tom Brady's Buccaneer career. What do you think, Sean? Well, I'm, I'm playing Brady in fantasy. So uh, I'm hoping that the Bucs put up 28 and they saw Rashad White and Leonard Fournette runs. Um. Because I don't want Brady to have a big game against me in fantasy. We're almost <laughs> to the playoffs. So. 
No, I, I, I think uh, we haven't thrown a lot of long touchdowns. It's, it's kind of been like yeah. a unique year for Tom. So I'm going to go with one of the tight ends or the running backs. You know, one of those times where we're inside the 10 and, you know, they're on like a little option route or something. So yeah. Fournette, uh, White, or Otten, or Brady, if he plays. I know that's a lot of that, but I'm just telling you how I think it <laughs> it, 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 it unfolds. No, I like it. It's by been the, a good year for By the way, shout out, shout, shout out to Tom Brady. I'm so happy they're winning, man. He's dealt yeah. with so much stuff this year. I'm pulling for Buddy, man. He's been great for us. I mean, he put the Bucks back on the map. I mean, we were completely irrelevant before he got off the plane and they announced that he was going to be our quarterback. So I'm happy. I'm happy. Hopefully we can go to San Francisco and, and get us a dub. Should be a great game. Ladies and gentlemen, with all that being said, that's just about going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news, as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Uh, what have you got coming out this week between now and the game? Uh, just the the stock watch. Um, just going to be looking at some players from the past week or two weeks um, and take a look at if their stocks up or their stocks down. So going to have, oh, you know, after a win, you always have uh, more stock up than stock down. So uh, by the way, just one little small, one little small thing to watch. Niners have been like best in the league versus opposing tight ends. Yeah. So it's going to be a week where uh, those edge guys really have to do do a good job of winning in their routes because they've been really good against opposing titans ladies and gentlemen you can find sean king on twitter at real sean king and you can also find him on instagram at coach sean king and you can find him on vsin live prime time 6 to 9 p.m eastern standard time talking some bets uh what do you guys got on the slate today is there any games that you're excited for this week any picks you got for sure well unbeknownst to most of my people in tampa i'm a super you know, hockey fan. So yeah. my, 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 my show name is Puck Stradamus and I have been on fire in hockey. So if you guys, you know, we'll put a couple of dollars in your pocket. Hey, listen, Christmas coming up, new year is coming up. I already, all my, all my people that watch and listen have already recouped all of their Thanksgiving expenses. So I'm just telling you guys, tune in, uh, download the app, VSIN, uh, V S I N. You can listen for free. If you have YouTube television, I think for three, four dollars a month, you can add the VEASAN channel. It is a TV show, so you can watch my beautiful mug and uh, get some of this good hockey information. Uh, tonight, I like the Anaheim Ducks, small home underdog. They got the San Jose Sharks coming in town, so we're going to try and pick up a couple of dollars uh, and see if we can go into the weekend feeling good about ourselves. Are, are we doing money line there, or do you, are we doing puck line? Just money line, just the, the Ducks line? to win. Right, right. I think they're plus – 110 or something so if you bet you know uh i use 100 because it's easier for me to do the math uh, obviously i didn't do a lot of uh, class attendance at tulane uh, there were people <laughs> that went for me uh but so if you bet 100 you get 110 plus your 100 so that's what plus 110 i love it well if you're playing best of luck to you should be a lot of action between now and the game but that's the show ladies and gentlemen we'll talk to you guys win lose or draw live right here on youtube.com forward slash cannon fire podcast after the game on sunday should be a good one i'm your host Rhett matthew signing off for my co-host evan wanish and former bucks quarterback sean king we'll see you in the next one until then and as always thanks for listening and go Bucks. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.